Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision. Now, this is going to be a slightly different and I'd say incredibly special episode. So stick with us for a little bit. Um, we're playing with the formats. I have two special friends with me here today on a wonderful Friday, although by the time you guys hear it, I don't know exactly what day of the week it will be, but it doesn't matter. We have Barb, who many of our listeners would have already known from previous episodes, as well as the ones that I did with Barb with Hussey as my wonderful wing lady. But more importantly, you would probably know her from her weekly fintech newsletter. If you do not, please make sure you sign up because I can guarantee you your Saturdays would never be the same. And along with Barb and myself, we also have Chris Garrett, our special friend from Bermuda, whom if you actually follow us on Twitter, you'll see a little bit of bothering going on on Twitter in the evening times. Yes, because we clearly love doing our little special chats on Twitter. So welcome both. How are Thank you, you two? very much? Thank you. Well. well, we're good. Awesome. Awesome. So since we all met online via Twitter, we need to start off with this. Um, what has been your single most memorable moment? It doesn't have to be the best, but most memorable moment on Twitter. Bart, let's go with you. Uh, I think for me, it was um, probably when I realized that people actually knew who I was. And it felt like the turning point of I'm not a lurker anymore. Uh, look, I've learned so much from the fintech Twitter community. I feel like that's actually where I figured out what this industry was. So it's thanks to everybody else that's so giving and kind and, and you know, want to help all the time. But I, yeah, it was when I started to interact with people and they started to interact back. I'm like, they do really like me. <laughs> so it, I don't know that it's a single moment, but it was sort of a, a point in time where I realized that was starting to happen. That's fun. <laughs> what about you, Chris? I was like, they like me. They really like me. Mine, mine actually kind of felt like it was almost the opposite. Um, <laughs> it was when I'd been on Twitter for a while. And, yeah, I guess, you know, being fairly liberal, not that that's... Um, unusual here but and it was um elon musk made his announcement that he was going to buy twitter and you know i came out and uh made a set of tweet um sent a tweet uh, and it was uh, based on an article written by robert reich who's president president clinton's former labor secretary he did a piece in the guardian and it was all about um, Elon uh, Musk's purchase being all about power uh, more than anything else, not about business. And so I went back and not thinking, not realizing actually the following that Mr. Reich had on Twitter. I tweeted, tweeted uh, that piece and agreed and tagged him. I hashtagged, I don't know, whatever it was, sale of Twitter. Um, or whatever, and then the response that came back was nuts. Um, so all the crazies and the trolls um, uh, who started to flame me after that, um, you know, I guess Mr. Wright gets it all the time. And I know, Thea, you, I sort of went back to you, Thea, and I said, what's going on? And she says, yes, it's because you, you tagged him, that's why. But it really exposed to me that, you know, my circle of 
Twitter friends is actually pretty enclosed. Um, and it's a nice little group of Twitter friends who I actually really enjoy tweeting with. And, but also, you know, I really expose, I now know, you know, I mean, I've always known there are a lot of nut jobs out there on Twitter. I just, at that point, I just never, never, never seen so many um, based on that reaction. So that was probably my most memorable moment. So it wasn't so much, gosh, <laughs> look, they really like me. It was, it's, it was more like, oh my God, look at all these people who absolutely hate me. I should um, send you some screenshots of my DMs, although I think I deleted most of them. I've been told every, many, many things. I've been told, I know where you live. I've been told, go back to the kitchen. Yes. I've been told all kinds of wondrous mm. words of wisdom on how I should and shouldn't behave. Um, but that's lovely. That is that is the social part of social media, take the good yeah. and the bad and all of the crap with it. Um, but there's a lot that we share online, right? Think about what we do every day, day in and day out. Uh, depends on what happens with our work. Depends on what happens in our world. Um, and then there's a whole lot more that we don't talk about, a whole lot more that we don't share. One thing I always found interesting, and Barbara, I think you can relate to this, and you mentioned it as one of your one of your moments people know you, is, is that what I love the most about is when you actually meet people in real life that you had talked to online for so long, it's always fun because I, I remember um, the first time I went to Finnovate Spring and I was just starting out in FinTech and, and I was watching this hashtag Finnovate coming through and I kept seeing all these people tweeting and I looked around I'm like, oh, wait a minute this guy who's been like tweeting nonstop, he's sitting right in front of me. And that's how you make the connections between the digital self and, and the online, uh, the, in real life self. And, and it's always fascinating. And I had yet to meet both of you in person, in person, like actually be able to sit down and chat and, and share a meal or coffee and whatnot. And I can't wait to do that. I think it'll be a lot of fun to, to be able to interact with someone that you had meet you had yet to meet in person. That's always the fun part. Um, so I want to know if you can tell our audience a lot of it. Something that people who followed you online wouldn't have known, like something that is either your alternate self. I know Chris, you had a few of those. Um, something that you did in your career, perhaps something that you had started off with a job or whatnot that no one would have ever guessed. I think people generally know I'm from a relatively obscure part of the world. You know, I'm actually a farm kid that grew up learning how to drive farm equipment before I drove a real car. Um, it actually caused me great consternation when I started to drive, you know, like a Honda sedan. So for those of you, which I'm sure is most of you that have never drove, driven a grain truck, the gearbox is pretty big. And so you're going from first to second. And by the time you're in third gear, like you're shifting way over into the passenger seat. That's just the way it works. So, you know, you're whatever, 12 years old or something. Uh, that's kind of just what you know. Well, then, you know, years later, um, as a teenager driving a borrowed Honda Civic or something, and I could not get out of second gear. I went from first to second to fifth 
every time because I thought I was supposed to reach into the passenger seat to get to the next gear. Anyway, that's probably one of my fun facts. Another super obscure one is at one time, um, I was actually a licensed private investigator in a slightly former life before I found <laughs> fintech and credit unions and such. So uh, I never drove a Ferrari in Hawaii or anything like that, but uh, that is a true statement. Oh my God. Okay. All right. That's probably a lot that Barb knows about us, Chris, that we didn't know she knew. Um, and now when I see you, Barb, I actually wouldn't think of that now that you shared the story on the farm with me. Somehow, when I see you now, I think of the pot racer. I don't know why. <laughs> Star Wars. I'm linking it with like, you know, yeah. just flying straight down the straight. Um, what about you, Chris? Um, well, you know, I guess because this is a fintech podcast, I guess, um, you know, yeah, yeah, I guess in my early teens, I mean, and I mean really early teens, um, I actually worked for one of Bermuda's largest commercial retail banks um, during my summer breaks, um, trying to make as much money as I could the age of about 12, 13, 14, 15, whatever it was. I can't remember. I can't remember when I started doing it. But and then when I was working there, I ultimately graduated to their foreign exchange department, where I learned about how to um, trade foreign exchange, basically trade FX. So so the US dollar exchange rate to me became known as cable. And I started to use the word spot um, and not so $45.50 became 45 spot 50. And it was kind of fascinating working with these traders who, you know, they were really there, um, you know, to assist the bank's clients and obviously to assist the bank and their employer and, and so on. And I really didn't have a clue at the time. They were like screaming at each other left, right and center. But luckily I was, um, sitting with a very nice lady and she would show me all of these huge computer screens, which are absolutely, absolutely everywhere. And, um, you yeah, know, in a way it kind of still, it sort of reminds me now looking at sort of um, all the little sort of crypto screens you can look at if you ever, you know, are looking at trading crypto, it's sort of the same sort of uh, that thing, you know, you know, not that the experience I had when I was at the age of 14, 15 or 16 in any way helped me, now to trade things like Bitcoin um, in 2019 or, or you know, God help you now in 2020. But, um, but still, it was a lot of fun and um, a lot of fun to do at a certain age, uh, completely different before embarking on a legal career. Um, don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, it was definitely not, not, definitely not talking about Wall Street. Definitely, definitely not Gordon Gecko by, by any stretch, but um, but yeah, that's that's something which I think most people probably wouldn't um, realize uh, that I actually did back then. The teenage kind of like your Freudian slip there that we're on like day seven hundred and ninety-two of the year twenty twenty, which is probably the reason the three of us haven't met in person yet. I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and that that number continues. <laughs> it keeps <laughs> going. One of these yeah. days we'll be out of 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 hell. Um, so Chris, do, 
I, I want to ask you and follow up on that. What, what would you be doing instead of doing what you're doing right now? Because I, I'm catching <laughs> like what you just shared with us, what we didn't know you did. And then clearly on title on paper, you're a lawyer. Um, <laughs> but we also know that you had a lot of side things going on. Um, <laughs> God. So what, what would you actually be doing? Let's say, you know, money and location and nothing like that is constraint. Well, thank you for recognizing the fact that on paper, I am a lawyer. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think, you know, I think in terms of like, I, I think I'd be the same sort of person, sense of humor wise and, and that kind of stuff. So I don't think that would change. I mean, I think the easy thing like, oh, in terms of like, oh, what would I be doing? You know, an easy response would be, oh, I'd love to be like Jack White and or that kind of thing. Or I'd like to be, a, uh, you know, in terms of performing or I'd like to be a... Um, I don't know, an actor or, a, you know, comedian or something like that. But I think that's also in my mind something which would be fairly stressful. I think the stress of having to maybe perform at your best constantly when you see these guys up every night um, on stage performing. Also, obviously, I've got to learn the guitar, which would be totally, totally impossible. But anyway, um, so I'd love to be in some ways someone who, I guess, you know, someone super smart, because <laughs> I'm not in that category, but, you know, and also inventive. I always like to look at someone like Steve Jobs in a way who, you know, obviously he's going down, you know, as a record as being exceptional and obviously a very engaging speaker, but also combination of him and, and Johnny Ive, you know, at Apple was making these revolutionary products who, you know, really, really are and were extraordinary when they created them and you know it's hard to repeat um because since steve did pass away you know i think apple really struggled to um to really recreate those and i i mean i'm a fanboy of apple i know you are i think barbara is as well and i'm looking forward to ventura when that comes out and obviously the iphone 14 i think whatever that comes out and i OS 16, but these are all incremental improvements in my view. And, and you know, I think adding a processor chip to a laptop design, it's no real different from years ago, just millimeters thinner or whatever. But, you know, maybe that's some not, maybe that's not being fair. I don't know. It's not really groundbreaking. I mean, I know we'll all go out and buy it, no doubt. But, um, you know, and there could be a whole new podcast. But I think Steve, Jobs. He's someone who I would say I really admired, and you know, he obviously had a lot of fault, faults. You know, he's obviously, from what I've read, he can be very arrogant and overbearing. But um, I mean, I wouldn't be that way. But um, but uh, yeah, I think someone like that. Um, you know, instead of what I'm doing now, anyways. Barb, what about you? So, if you ask my family what it is I actually do. Maybe that's my alternate career. So I'm like the Chandler Bing of my family. They have no idea what I do for a living. And you know, tw 21 years into my career, they still can't sort it out. So uh, they actually then like to tell everyone that I'm a spy. So, you know, I go to an office building that's relatively well secured. They, I can't talk about my work or they don't understand what I do. I travel kind of randomly. So this is the conclusion that they've come to. So maybe that's actually my alternate path. I don't know. When I was uh, in university at one time, I thought I was going to go be a police officer, actually. 
uh, was the path I was going to follow because one of my other alternate jobs was I, I was a security guard. So I was uh, pretty good at that. And I figured, oh, well, you know, how do you actually turn that into a career? It's probably got to be a little bit more stable than throwing rowdies out of um, parties at the end of the night or what have you. So that was a path that I thought I was going to take. Um, I think, you know, if anybody's watching us on Twitter in the evening, you'll soon find out that at some point, Chris and I are going to talk about our fintech band. So I would be remiss <laughs> if I didn't bring up that that's got to be an alternate future yeah. path that we actually do form our band someday. Yeah, well, look, I'm I'm taking Jack, Jack White. You could be Meg if you want, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't mind. We we could that that would definitely yeah sure. That's what I thought you were going to go for first, Barb, was, you know, something around music and, and band and, you know, being creative because that you you have an amazing talent. I, I mean, I, I go, go back to your newsletter every Saturday. It's again, for those of you who are listening who has not done so, please do sign up for Barb's newsletter. It's 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 amazing. A, I don't know how you find time to do all of that. And B, just a pairing by itself. It's like, wow, that's cool. I mean, I learn new music every single weekend. And on top of it, just the curated articles that you have, I miss so many of those. So it, it's been yeah. perfect. How I, I can't remember now. How did you start the first one again? So I was reading one of um, Lita Glyptus's Thursday Lita Writes posts. So um, many of us, of course, follow Lita and are quite fascinated to read what she has to say every Thursday. And as I was reading, I realized I had this song in my head. So then I'm trying to figure out well, where did this song come from? This is a bit random. And then it came to me, it was inspired by the message of her post. And so I thought, huh, isn't that interesting? This happens to me all the time, to be honest. So, you know, I'm, I'm a sponge of useless facts. My other alternate path is I should probably get on Jeopardy because I'd be super good at that, actually. Uh, so I absorb all of this useless knowledge and there's really no good outlet for it. You can't monetize that as a career, unfortunately. So um, I was like, well, that's, that's interesting that, you know, my brain is making this association right now between this post of leaders and this song. So then I sent her a message and I said, hey, do you think people would be interested to read uh, kind of a weekly summary of all of the articles and, and newsletters that everybody else is posting, but in the form of a playlist? Because then I thought, I bet I could make associations for quite a bit of this throughout the week. And so her reply was, sure, I think people would really enjoy that. So I thought, whatever, this, this idea is in my mind now, is like inception of myself. So I thought, well, I'll just put it together and, and see what happens. And I honestly was just doing it for fun for myself because once the idea was in my head, I needed to get it out. I had no idea that anybody else would care. And it's kind of fascinating to me that anybody's actually paying attention. And this was another one of those kind of just strange, I'm a prairie farm girl. I don't even understand how people in the world know who I am, but um, you know, folks that are, you know, regular great uh, content creators started reaching out to say, you know, I don't want to set an expectation, but just in case, here's my article this week. Maybe you want to include it. So it's it's been delightful for me that anybody else actually cares about what I'm doing here. But I'm having a ton of fun putting it together yeah. every week. It's been great. I'm going to say, I must admit, I um, every week I keep thinking to myself, oh, I, I wish I could be on Barbara's playlist. Um, 
But then I suddenly realized, I've actually got to write something to be on Barbara's playlist. Gosh darn it. You did, you did show up a few weeks ago. So. I have. I did. I did a few weeks ago. I know because I actually wrote something finally. But um, I think actually, Barb, I will admit, um, the fact that you're doing this, I, I actually has actually given me a little bit of impetus to try to actually try to write some more. So that makes you feel any better. You've actually given me some inspiration now to sit down and try to actually blog a bit more. So I can then do that. I'll say, blog, look, Barb, I've written something. Please. Here, I'll Wait. put it in your playlist. Put it in your playlist and think of a good song to match it to. Well, that's awesome. I hope you do, because I do enjoy your writing. And every time I put Arcade Fire in, I am thinking of you. Oh, well, thank you. Well, you know, they're, they're my favorite Canadian band. So. See? And I wouldn't have known about Arcade Fire until the two of you. So this is it, it's just what? brilliant. I, <laughs> I have a very limited, um, shall we say, I don't know, uh, uh, playlist in my head, if you will. I'm still at, at, at Ava and Beatles and, and all of those. I mean, those were my lullaby when I was growing up and oh. it's been stuck in my head ever since then. I'm trying to do that with my kids too, which this, is hilarious. This, is de this has definitely changed now you've met, you know, Barbara and I. <laughs> yes, you two have changed my life. You have also changed my evening habits, shall I say, as well as my Saturday habits, because now Saturday morning I get my coffee and I disappear because I'm like reading through the articles that I missed. So thank you. And again, for the rest of you guys who are listening and to sign up, please do go look for Barb on Twitter, Barb McLean, and you will find her FinTech playlists in the top of a profile and please do sign up because it's loads of fun and you know what in a lot of ways that's what that's what i like about fintech it's it's the community that it creates it's the people the characters that are moving around us it's it's not just about work in in the way that we think about work i, I came from telecom it i spent 15 years doing it that world is very different than the world that I am in right now with you guys. It's, it's very dynamic. It's fun. It's, it's a lot of challenges uh, in, in many ways. People and characters from all over um, who have a different opinion of how things need to be. But I think together we can and we have made things better. So since this is a fintech podcast, after all, Chris, you did remind me of that. Um, I have to ask, it's my obligation. What is the one trend that each of you are most excited for the rest of this year since we're halfway through? Uh-oh. <laughs> you you okay. flinched first. Darn. <laughs> Well, hey, Theo, don't say you, crypto crash. Don't you, say crypto you crash. You co-wrote the book, Theo, Beyond Good. I mean, what, what more can we say that's not already been said? Um, beyond um, hell. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I guess for me, though, I guess, okay, I'll start, darn it. I mean, I'm, I'm very much into artificial intelligence, um, which I guess we can sort of uh, throw into the fintech um, grouping here and automation and stuff. And I guess maybe this is cheating a little bit perhaps um being a lawyer i guess i'll throw it out here but i'm i very much into like legal tech and as an extension to financial services i like to think that maybe legal services um is somehow included there somehow um and i guess as a corporate attorney 
you know, I think there are two things um, where we really like to think about using stuff like artificial intelligence. Um, and this may not be over the course of the next year. We're probably talking about maybe years and years from now, so don't get me wrong, but using things like automation and artificial intelligence within my own industry to, you know, look at hoping to free up my own time as a lawyer um, to allow me to be a bit more, I guess, creative in the way I approach my own job and I guess um, legal thinking and the the way I provide service to to my clients. And one of the good quotes I remember reading um, somewhere was that um, hopefully the use of artificial intelligence and automation will allow me to be a lawyer as opposed to a detective. And that's just because um, the way I operate quite a lot, it will be looking at precedents and things like that and having to search so much for things and hopefully artificial intelligence and and stuff will help me um, find things and automate those um, using machine learning and so on and that kind of stuff. Um, but also it really comes down to providing better client services and that's something which matches up in the financial industry as well. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, we're in the you know fifth industrial revolution or fourth perhaps. And, you know, I know Theo, you're very cognizant to the fact, um, you know, that although we can use artificial intelligence and automation, you know, obviously to a certain extent, we obviously can't use it um, so far to replicate empathy and and stuff. I mean, this again, this could shift to a whole new podcast. But um, but in the legal world, you know, I see people working behind desks with tons and tons of papers, and you know, they can only do so. We can only do so much. They can only do so much. Um, you know, and you know, you can. You can't get rid of them totally. You're only going to be able to get certain jobs that, or certain things that they're doing, um, uh, you know, and, you know, you're still going to require some form of human touch. And that's one thing I kind of think, well, you know, I like, and I've done enough podcasts on this, but I like the notion of having, you know, the, perhaps some sort of robot come and make me coffee or whatever. That's great. But, you know, I'm, I'm always going to have to be there and have to review things and stuff. But, but anyway, that's kind of one of the things that does excite me going forward in the future. Obviously not just in 2022, but we're looking at like the next eight years or something along those lines. So that's sort of fintechy. Maybe it's a little more legal techy, but, but anyway, uh, I'll leave it there. Otherwise, I'll, I'll carry on and carry on as lawyers will do. What about you, Berg? So you asked me to pick one, but I think I have two actually. And one is maybe more immediate and practical. And the other one is, I think, aspirational, but real. And the first one is because I'm so fascinated by and taken with the work that my team does. And really what we focus on is one of the most fundamental problems for so many financial institutions, I think, is how do you modernize your technology real estate? And so um, that's really the main part of our job is 
application modernization? And how do we make sure that we're uh, helping to move our customers forward because we um, have this, uh, you know, desire and responsibility to be taking care of the technology that they use on their behalf, because that's our role for them. And it's just, it's fascinating and exciting and in some ways wondrous to me, the good work that my team does. I'm so happy and pleased to get to work with them. They're so smart and skilled and motivated. And the tools that we've been able to put in place for ourselves are just so exceptionally easy to use. You know, dialing back decades in time when I thought I wanted to, you know, be a programmer back in the day, things have changed a lot. And so it's a blessing to be in this kind of role now because of the things you can actually do and it's so much easier to do it. So that would be, I think, one uh, trend that is not going to go away for a while. There's an awful lot of uh, legacy technology that we need to help um, update, modernize, get out of the way so that we can get out of, uh, you know, people and account holders and in our credit union environment members way to serve them better. And that's the first one. The second one for me, um, I'll give a direct shout out to Matt Siegel from Microsoft, because, you know, thanks to yourself, Theo, and Bradley, um, introducing me to him a couple of years ago, he's really taken me down this path of better understanding what, um, you know, sustainability and ESG means to us. And that is sort of in some ways, I think my translation of the, you know, technology and fintech for good, how can I do good? Working with a development team, how can we do good? And it's to actually approach our work in a sustainable manner. And so I'm, you know, we're very much Team Azure in my team, and the work that Microsoft does presents such with such good and powerful information and tools, and especially on this subject as well. I can't wait for us to start baking into the day to day of how we work. How do you build sustainably? Is is your code as um, sustainable as it could be, and not just from a technical sustainability point of view, right? Are you actually making technical and implementation choices that are having an impact that you didn't think about before. And so that's why I'm so glad that I've gotten immersed in a different context of topic that we can bring back to our work to do better on everybody's behalf. So that's certainly a trend that I'm excited for us to follow. I echo that one, um, his recent article on green IT, that was fabulous to read because it pushes us to think beyond what we do in day to day, right? As we think about transformation, we talk a lot about transforming and putting in different in infrastructure, moving to cloud and thinking about setting operations differently. How can we, while doing that, think about doing things more sustainable, um, from, for our environment and, and frankly, for our business model and everything else that we do. I, I like that he pushes the envelope. I remember one of the first times I talked with Matthew, we were talking about the intersection of ESG and DEI and how those two themes are actually very, very related in many ways. Um, it's an element that we don't think about. We tend to think of things in vacuum, in silos. Um, so that, again, it's, it's what I love about um, the social circle and the fintech circle if you will there are so many ways you can define how we can do things and how we can do better and keep pushing each other to do more if there is mm -hmm. one thing we could change in the world though and i have to ask um 
I know we all have a long bucket list of things we would like to change in the world. What would that one thing be if you have a magic wand? Yes. Now, today, <laughs> uh, sounds like we have a new live aid or something. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, right now, I, yeah, I guess over the last couple of years and what we've been through um, with COVID, I, I would just love to say, can we just get rid of COVID, number one? That would be the one thing, if I could say, I mean, there's tons of things, obviously, tons and tons of things, but I think right now, you know, with the everything we've been through over the last couple of years, that's made lives, you know, everyone's lives so miserable, um, you know, jobs lost and the economic impact that COVID has had on everyone, societal impacts, people working from home and the effect that's had on, you know, jobs and, you know, gender inequality and so on. And just everything, it's just made everyone's lives just so, so miserable, masks, constant paranoia um, and everything. I, I think as, you know, the 21st century and the things we've faced politically and the things we're now wrapping our heads around, um, metaverses, NFTs, and just like today, for instance, and we can we not just knock um, at least this one away? Um, so I think um, that was just the one thing we could do right now. Um, that would be it. Um, so that that would be my one choice, yeah. For me, I wish uh, more of us would recognize that kindness is not weakness. And, you know, maybe that's my um, call to action for everybody listening today. What, what's your one kind act today? And I think sometimes we underestimate the impact that even that one act of kindness can be for someone that can have a, a, a giant blast radius of positivity, depending on what it is and who it was and what their context uh, was at the time. So if I had my uh, world peace magic wand, it would be, yeah, ki kindness is not weakness and find a way to spread that. I like that. And my one wish will be to end poverty. There's no reason why we need so many extremes in the world. And there's more than enough that we can share with everyone. Before we wrap, and this is an easy one and more fun topic, I would like to know, and Chrissy, you alluded to that earlier, you being in Bermuda and Barb with um, you that, you know, you, 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 you know how to create something and bring us together you just you had this magic power so i'm gonna start with you if we can actually meet in real life all of us um where should it be and who do we want to invite to the party oh, you all want to say bermuda come on <laughs> oh i'm not gonna make you all come to Winnipeg. That's <laughs> i don't mind i've never you know interesting <laughs> so where should we go um, how about we go to somewhere like Prague? Ooh. I feel like I really have a hankering to get back overseas again. I've been there before. That's a beautiful city that I really enjoyed my time I've never there. been. I've never been to Prague. I have never been either. So is that, who, who do we want to, who's that one person we want to make sure is going to be there? So mm. I have a, I haven't met them in person yet, person that I need to meet. And it's uh, Dr. Lita Glyptis. So oh. she's my one person 
that I have not met yet. And I can't believe that I know her this well and have not. So she's the one that's on my invite list. That would be lovely. I last met her in Singapore. This was obviously pre-COVID. And uh, no, actually, I take it back. I met her in Amsterdam, also pre-COVID. But I felt like we've dropped into this COVID black hole that we had not seen anyone for years. So Lita is my first pick as well. Um, Chris, what about you? Okay, well, it's not going to be Winnipeg, I guess. <laughs> we'll cross it off to this, darn it. Um, you know, I guess if there's a neutral location, gosh, I mean, I'd say, you know, I mean, I, I, I've been there. So I'd say somewhere like Tuscany, to be honest, or somewhere like or northern Italy, Piedmont, because I know that satisfies Leo's lust for Barolo. I'm just going to mention that there because we all know it's there. It's true. You only have to, you only have to look, guys. You only have to go. To Theo's Twitter feed um, late at night, perhaps, and you'll find it. Or if you find her, if you go look for her on Instagram, you, you'll definitely notice that there's her as well. Hey, it's um, grape juice. <laughs> me, I'm, I'm just gonna. I'm outing you now, Theo. Just <laughs> it's adult grape juice. One needs advice in life. Yes, I yeah. I have my advice, and yeah. you know, I'm not advocating for everyone to drink, but you know, no, well, not maybe not. <laughs> today i don't know but who do we want to and who do i want to invite i mean i guess I, I would first of all i'd say okay as an outside paul mccartney yeah that's an easy one i'd love to i'd love to meet i mean i'd, I'd just love to touch paul mccartney <laughs> whatever or just you know or whatever if he could like just if he could walk past my past me even breathe on me whatever to be honest i'd love to see paul, I mean, paul mccartney absolutely absolutely but you know in all honesty i'd love to just invite my family i mean who do we not want to invite i'd love to invite my family to meet you guys my wife and kids just so they can hear a bit more about f1 racing have mutual discussions about star wars about brownie the bunny you know and of course us three as well all together because i'd love us to talk about our favorite reds actually we'd still talk about star wars the three of us i'm sure <laughs> And we could bring along, I'm sure, kids as well for that as well. So I think, you know, we have so much in common. So I think um, I think all three of us would be great. And then maybe, maybe Paul could turn up at the end. That would be good as well. So. That would be for entertainment. But I think, I, think, I think what both of you said brought home a point is Fenteca's family. Um, yeah, and I we'll hope, see. and I, I have been very privileged to be able to meet many of you and fintech and i hope that we can keep expanding the family to be brady bunch um and meet more of you because i think there's a lot of things that we can do together and here's hoping for the best so for that thank you so much both for joining me today at one vision and for the rest of you thank you for listening in to another episode we'll talk to you all next week mm -hmm.